Hello and welcome to Sheffield Board Gamers once again. Uh, we're back with episode 20 and I'm joined today by Tom Cauldron. Hello, Tom. Hello. Hello. Uh, How are you doing? Hi. I'm good, thank you. I'm not bad. And uh, we've also got Tom Lovell as well from Redwall Games. Hello, Tom. Hello. Hello. Thank you both for joining me. It's a pleasure to speak to you again. It's good to good to speak to some real people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fake. <laughs> so we're gonna uh, we're gonna talk about a few uh, a few games that we've been playing recently. Got some um, question of the week, which is what's your worst game? So we quite often talk about our favourite games and games that we like, but we don't talk about games that we don't like all that often. So uh, there might be a few reasons why we we own these games and why we still have them in our collection. So we're gonna have a quick chat about that. But before that, I just wanted to have a, a quick chat about the the news that I saw recently, which is that I don't know if you've seen this, guys, but Ticket to Ride Deluxe. Uh, Ticket to Ride, the Europe expansion is 15 years old and they're releasing an anniversary edition. Yep. Um, I was going to talk about Ticket to Ride as uh, the Europe edition because I got bought it for Christmas and saw that and I thought, damn it, they bought me (laughs) the old one for Christmas and the new edition is coming out. So yes, I chose that partly because I've just recently got it to talk about, but also to tie in with the anniversary edition is coming out now. So I I am a soups on gutted, but <laughs> I, I like the game, but we'll not talk I, I, about that in a bit. Yeah, I've I've got the game as well, so it it kind of puts me in a bit of a quandary because I've got the the regular edition, and I, I kind of missed out on the um, uh, the Ticket to Ride uh, edition as well, anniversary edition. So that was uh, released a few years ago, and that had like really nice plastic trains and uh, a bigger board and things like that, and it looked really nice. I wanted to get a copy of that, but you can't find it anywhere now. You play astro- you'd have to pay astronomical prices to get get hold of a copy. It's not in print, uh, and that's the downside with these kind of um, these kind of editions. I think is that they kind of appear for you know a couple of months maybe, and then they disappear. They never reprinted again. I mean, there's probably going to be a fiftieth anniversary edition at some point. Oh god! If you don't if you don't mind waiting, <laughs> uh, but I, I've got the um, I've got the Europe uh, ticket to ride Europe. So uh, yeah. is it worth is it worth getting you know the same game basically? With slightly better components, or is it kind of? I, I can always sell that. I suppose it's a bit of a quandary there, isn't there? About you, you know, if you if you really like a game, what do you do? <laughs> well, not for me because I'll be in deepest doo doo as mine was a Christmas present, so it's uh-huh. two months old. <laughs> um, um, but you know, we played a number of games over Christmas, um, and I've been lucky insofar as since the first lockdown happened, I've been. Uh, my mum has made us our support bubble. Technically, first lockdown nearly a year ago, I was actually living at my mum's house. Mm. And so when we moved, it was a case of we've split one house into two, but she's on her own. And so with support bubble, so over Christmas, we were able to have games with four people. They, I got bought Ticket to Ride Europe for Christmas, and it went down cross-generationally. So, oh, my, so there's myself, my wife, my son, and my mum all playing it. So you've got a boy, in sort of seven, eight year old, years old, and a 60-something-year-old, and halfway between the two, and we're all playing it. And, yeah, um, it was enjoyed enough to be played not just once, a couple of other times as well. So oh, that's good, yeah. Um, I, I would, you know, I played ticket the f- original Ticket to Ride about once and gone, it's a good game, never sort of felt the design, didn't know how well it would be it would go down with the family and this has gone down a storm. So I'm very chuffed with that uh, Christmas present. 
Yeah, it, it is. Um, yeah, it is one of those games that I guess has stood the test of time. Like I said, it's been out 15, 20 years, I think. And um, it's one of the first games that I played as well when I was getting into the hobby. Um, yeah, it's a genuine classic. It's it's still in print now. You can still get it quite easily. There's lots of different maps, lots of different expansions. It's one of the classic kind of Euro games, isn't it? Where it's like um, it's, it's between you can play between two and five players. It takes under an hour. You know, it's it's got those decisions that are fairly straightforward. You either place trains down or you pick up cards, but enough strategy and tactics in it to you know to make it interesting and better than. You know the standard kind of family games that you'd see, like Monopoly and Scrabble and things like that. Obviously, they've got their fans as well. But um... I, I will stand up for Monopoly at the moment. My son, <laughs> only as far as we've been playing it with my son and uh, Cluedo, and mm. it has its issues, mm-hmm. but it really does help consolidate his maths. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were tweeting about that. Yeah, yeah, and and you know it it means that he's thinking about it, and so some of those games have got a place. And he will get bored of it almost certainly. But at the moment, he's enjoying it for what it's worth. And it helps with his maths. And I don't have to kind of get him to do sums. It's like, well, no, this is your money. Work it out. And because yeah. you're not just doing it once and forgetting, you're always having to work out the money element. It does help that number familiarity. Is it one of the themed versions or is it like the basic? No, this is the, the ancient one. one that my mum had when I was younger. Oh, really? So, no, yes. So she has wow. dug out um, of the cupboard um, Yahtzee, Cluedo and Monopoly. Um, oh, and oh. Dizzy Dizzy Dinosaur of literally the games that we played when I was um, <laughs> sort of between seven and 16 and still at home. So yeah. um, the other claim to fame my son has was he broke Yahtzee. And I mean, literally, when you say, stop shaking the dice, you'll knock the spots off. Ha, ha, ha. No, he literally did. He was shaking <laughs> them so hard that these dice that are over 30 years old, one of them broke in half. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so he did literally knock the spots off one of the dice. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that I don't unfortunately get to do at the moment very often, um, obviously with everything that's happening. Um, I'm, I'm just playing with my partner, and I think Tom, you're playing with your partner, aren't you, Tom Cauldron? Yep, yep. Um, so we we are being safe and we are being responsible in that in that aspect. But uh, yeah, have, having family uh, of different generations kind of playing the same games, I don't really get to see that very often. So it's good that um, it's good that um, you know getting into it and and uh, and they're enjoying it as well. If you uh, if you put Ticket to Ride and Monopoly in front of your your young lad, then which one do you think you'd pick? Which one would you prefer to play? <sighs> Hmm, hard, hard guess. Um, the other game I'm going to talk about, he'll go for instead, he'll go for his game, which he got for Christmas, which was Zombie Teams, e- Teams uh, yeah. Evolution. Yeah. Um, but I think it depends on it. it, it you know, I'm, I'm helping create a, a, a selection of games and he, and he plays different ones. So I think it depends on the day, really. Yeah, yeah. Do you try and guide his taste a little bit? <laughs> Well, you you like what you like, don't you? If you if you like uh, Monopoly, that's what that's what you play. Yeah, but you can do things like: Are you sure you want to play that toilet game? We can play this <laughs> this game about trains instead. Yeah. Oh no, no, the toilet game does not get played. But we'll talk <laughs> yeah. about that later. <laughs> I remember Tom Vassell um, interviewing the World Monopoly Championship winner, uh, and, and he asked him like, "Have you played any of the, these other games? You know, these other thousands of games that come out every year, any year?" And he said, "No, no, I just play Monopoly." 
Um, I, I figured it out. I know what the best strategies to do. You know, I know what I know what I'm going for. That's all that I play. <laughs> so yeah, that, he liked that, and that's what he played, and and that's all he played. So it, it, it's I guess it comes down to fun, isn't it? What you what you enjoy what you enjoy and what you call fun. So definitely, yeah, some people like playing just Magic the Gathering and yeah, yeah. nothing else. And yeah, some people like uh, playing a different game every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think I could play the one game thousands of times. I have to, I have, to have a variety for myself. <laughs> I'll agree. I like um, yeah. having a range of different things, um, but I've, I have been playing a, a selection, a, a limited selection as well, because um, as I've probably mentioned in the past, I helped run a table, a tabletops games club at school. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can't play the war games online, but board game arena has been great. And so oh, yeah. over this last lockdown, I've been running sessions and we've had some of the kids uh, join and so we've been playing just one or two games on board game arena but they've been particularly hooked and yes just it, it's been a this one please we were quite like this one and they've got good enough that i've been being you know the first few times i introduced the games it was, i've said look i'm going to be harsh i'm going to play it solidly but i'll talk you through the tactics and i'll show you why mm-hmm. and now i've got to play well because they will beat me, <laughs> which is great. I, what you want. Yeah. yeah, you know that's the point. Yeah. I want them to learn and to beat me. And the fact mm-hmm. that now a case of I've got to try hard to keep my head above water is where I want them to be at. Okay, so um, we'll move on to one of the games that I've been playing then, and we'll uh, we'll start chatting about uh, the games that were played recently. So one that I've played, um, I picked up just before Christmas. I think I played it a few times since then. Is one called Lost Ruins of Arnak. This is a game from 2020. It plays between one and four players. It takes 30 minutes per player, according to the box, and is designed by Min and Elwyn. And they're a husband and wife team, I think, based um, based out in Europe somewhere. I'm not quite sure where they are. Uh, published by Czech Games Editions. But this game is um, kind of a Euro game about uh, exploring this island. So you found this island... And you've got a couple of explorers that are going to go out and discovering um, new locations. We're going to be fighting monsters and researching the island and its artifacts and things like that. So it's a bit of a, a contemporary theme. It's kind of Indiana Jones, Alan Quatermain, that kind of uh, that kind of feeling. Um, there's, there's three main things in it. There's a deck building element. So there's a row of uh, cards across the top that you can buy with um, with resources that you get. Uh, they go into your deck and then they'll come round again when you exhaust your deck. So you, you get a better and better deck there's a bit of worker placement so you've got a couple of workers that you go out and place on the board uh, and again they'll get you uh, extra resources and there's also a a research track as well up the side of the board so um, as you get resources you can spend those on actually researching them and you go up this track and that'll get you points as well we've played i've only played it two players Uh, there is a solo mode so if you want to play it on your own you can play it that way and um, it's a it's a really good game i really enjoyed this one um, there's a lot, uh, a lot to like about it. The the artwork and the components are really good. The, like the theme of the island, the board is like a quite a big board that you have on the table, and it's like a, an illustration of the island going back into the distance. Uh, the monsters are really, really well designed. The like monsters on tiles that come out. There's like a giant scorpion and uh, big beetles and things like that that are that are really good. The components, the actual. Uh, resource that you collect is like these little stone tablets which are like little plastic stone tablets which are really good uh red gems like red crystals yes thick. yeah yeah like plastic components they're really good all the tokens and everything are like really nice and thick so the components of the artwork is is really good 
Um, the iconography is good as well. So there's a lot of icons and a lot of um, effects that your cards and things can do. But it's a really good player aid that um, that comes with the game. So each player gets a player aid, and it lists all the icons on one side, and then all the actions that you can do on the other side. So it's even though there's quite a lot going on and there's quite a lot to learn, it's it's quite easy to pick up because if you're not sure what a card does, you can just look on your player aid, and it'll tell you what each of the icons does. So that's really good. What I really like about this game as well is that every time you do an action, you get a little reward for doing it. So whatever you're going out and doing, whether you're exploring the uh, island or whether you're fighting monsters or doing the research, every time you do something, you'll get you get something back. So when you move up on the research track, you spend your components. You spend your you might get spend like a red gem, for example, to move up on the on the track. But then you'll get something back. You might get a compass or a gold coin or something back. Every time you go out and explore um, a location, you'll get loads of stuff from the from the location, and the locations get better as well as you go through. So there are some standard locations in the middle which give you some good stuff, but then there's some like more difficult to reach locations which give you really really good stuff, and they're they're really good to uh, uh, to explore and stuff to get to get to. Uh, the cards that you get uh, and the deck building aspect it, that's pretty fast as well because. When you buy an item from your uh, from your row of cards at the top of the board, it, it goes directly to the to the bottom of your deck. So you you, you kind of you, usually in the deck building game, it goes to your discard pile, then it gets shuffled up, and then when you run out of cards, you know you, you start drawing from that instead. But in this case, the, the the items that you buy go to the bottom of your deck, so it'll come out more or less straight away. So it like really speeds up the the deck building part of it, which is really good. Mm. It's uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, um, different ways to win the game so there's different paths to victory you can go ahead and kill monsters you can go exploring and get a lot of points that way you can concentrate on the research tracks on the side and that gets you a lot of points as well so there's lots of different things that you can uh, that you can aim towards depending on what items come out as well the items that you get and the artifacts that are in the the decks of cards they might guide you towards like one or two of the actions to give you better actions there's a couple of downsides um i think it's quite a big board it's one of those boards where there's a space for everything. So there's a space to hold all the components. You know, for each component pile, there's about five or six different components, I think, and there's a space for each one on the board. And there's space for the decks of cards and the discard piles and things like that. So it makes, that makes the board quite quite large. It's quite a big footprint. Does it? What's it, Do you have a normal sort of a, a standard family-sized dining table, or do you need something a bit bigger than that? You'd probably need quite a big one if you're playing with all the players, yeah. Right. Um, like I said, I've only played it two-player, and ours is uh, quite a big table, and it fits on quite easily. Um, but yeah, if you if you're going to expand it out um, to four players, you'd need space to you know for people to put all the cards in their own. They've got, you've got your own little board as well, which got what's got uh, actions and stuff on it. So yeah, it is. It, it does take up quite a lot of space. Okay, sort of like the Firefly board game. Yeah, or- I've heard good things about this one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've heard good things, and uh, I think this is definitely one that wouldn't necessarily have got myself, but I'd definitely have looked out for someone bringing it along to the club in normal year and tried and going, ooh, I'm having a go at that. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really good fun, yeah, to play so, yeah. it. Um, it's, it's quite short as well. It's only five rounds. Oh, um, wow. So it plays in, well, we as a two-player game, we could play it in like 45 minutes, 50 minutes, something like that. Um, it does say thirty minutes per player on the on the box, and I think maybe at four players it might be a little bit too long because you're looking at a two hour game then. But I, I, I don't think it'll be. I think it'll probably be more, more like two and a half with four players uh, until you, until you've played it a couple of times anyway, at least. Um, and that and that means you're going to be sat around for 
five, six, seven minutes between turns, and, th- and there's literally nothing for you to do in between turns. You're just waiting for your turn to come back around yeah. again. Nothing that you can do affects like the other players. Um, you, you don't like steal resources from them or move their stuff around or anything like that. So I, th- I think that might be a b- bit of a downside. I was going to say then, Rick, you're going to need a big bowl of crisps to eat when everyone out on the table as yeah. well when you're waiting for your turn. Yeah, have some nibbles, let people get up and stretch their legs. <laughs> uh, like I say, I've only played two players, so I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, that's that's my feeling is that it might be a little bit a little bit too long. Three three players will probably be fine. Two players though is really good. It's really snappy. You, you kind of do a couple of actions, you get your stuff, and then it's the next player's turn. They do a couple of actions, do their stuff, and then it's back to you again. So it is really good. And, and like I say, it is really good fun um, kind of exploring, you know, the best things you can do with the, the items that you get at Divin. Uh, the, the items are really good as well. So you've got, like, uh, adventuring tropes, like ropes and backpacks and equipment, like boots and things like that, dogs and donkeys and <laughs> all, all sorts. You were saying about the length of... Do the other players affect what you're doing? No. So no. so basically you have your turn and then you've got everyone else doing their things to think about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a row of cards up at the top and that'll probably be changing between turns. And um potentially people will put their workers out on spaces that'll block those spaces. So like typical worker placement, you can put your worker out and go to a space and you get the resources from that space. Uh, so you'd have to decide, you know, if you want to go somewhere else. But that's about the extent of the interaction in there. Right. So, so you shouldn't be kind of having someone go, oh, they've just done this. I've now got to um and ah uh, about what I'm going to do. No, you can plan. Yeah, you can plan what you're going to do on your next turn pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Good. So as a, as a two-player game, yeah, it's really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's quick. It's fast. It's fun. Plenty of strategy. Plenty of tactics. The, whichever path we've tried we always end up pretty close as well i think the last game we I, w- I went for killing loads of monsters and exploring and tracy went up the tracks and we i think there were two points in between us when we'd finished so it's all well, well balanced yeah it's it's really good game it's uh it's fantastic i can't recommend it highly enough it's uh, it's a really good one this one so when lockdown Great. finishes you're gonna have to invite tom around yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no doubt it'll be uh, back, coming out at the club, and people, you know, get a chance to play it. So yeah, yeah, I'll book my feet in the uh, in the first yeah. first game of that then. <laughs> North, I think. <laughs> uh, what you what are you gonna be playing, Tom? Yeah. What have you been up to? Well, uh, as always, going for heavy for the two player mm-hmm. games at the moment uh, with Paula. We've got a couple of classics out. We played uh, Castle of Burgundy the other day. I don't think we need to uh, go over that. Mm-hmm. Great game. Go and play it. But one that we sort of dug out that we haven't played for a while uh, is uh, a lovely little game mm. called Tack. This is one of those weird games which started out as um, a fictional game in some novels by Patrick Rothfuss, who I've never read anything by. Uh, and then um, an actual designer designed an actual game to fit what he'd written in, right. this, in his books. Mm. So it, uh, yeah, and it, and sometimes those turn out to be you know, really kludgy, <laughs> uh, like the, the the if the novelist is writing to create some dramatic moment mm-hmm. rather than to create a great game, then it's a bit hard to make a game of it. Like like Quidditch is really not a good game. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> really bad design decisions, but it makes for good narrative. But Tack turns out to actually be a really good game as well. Um, it's an abstract. So the idea is it's some sort of ancient thing that people play in this fantasy world, I think. Overboards in the local tavern, 
it's an abstract game where each player's got their own colours, uh, and most of your players, most of your playing pieces are just flat playing pieces that you place on the board. In the version that we've got, which is a slightly cheaper version, they're just squares, but there's a, another nicer version, which is a bit more expensive, that where they're all wooden shapes, and each player's got their own different shape, mm-hmm. and it's all lovely, and you've got different sized boards as well. Uh, but yeah, this one is just squares, and the squares can either be placed flat, or standing up on one edge. And you've also got one extra special piece, which is a capstone. Uh, and the idea is you've got to basically make a link of uh, from one side of the board to the other, either from top to bottom or left to right, whichever, of your pieces, stacks. So you either, on your turn, place a new piece on a, on a empty space, or you move a stack of pieces. You can move a stack of pieces if you're, you're on the top, but it may include some of the opponent's pieces. Yeah, and then you drop any number of those that the stack that you've picked up on each space as you go along. So you might drop two on that space, and then one on that space, and then one on the next one. So the board state, if you t- pick up a massive stack of mm. pieces, then the board can just totally change uh, in one move. So you've got to, as it, as it develops through the game... You get more and more complication if you, you there's the possibility of seeing some great move and you're going, um, oh, as long as they don't block me there, then I can uh, pick up this and just da 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 da, and then that'll win me everything. But the 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 flat pieces are the ones you use to make the links. When you put a piece on its end, that's a blocking piece. So half the game is trying to make your own link and half the game is trying to stop your mm. opponent making their link and it's there's a lot of to and f- to and fro um your your plans are getting more and more intricate you've got you're thinking three or four moves ahead it's um it's actually it's got a surprising amount of depth for such simple rules which mm. is exactly what you yeah. need from an abstract game yeah definitely like yeah it's um it's very impressive i think uh i don't know what it, the board's uh, on the on the um, on the box, it credits James Ernest and Patrick Rothfuss, who's the novelist, as the uh, creator. So I don't know how much of the the rules uh, Patrick Rothfuss put in mm. the original books, and how much James, James Ernest, who was an actual games designer, most famous for the Keypass games. Oh probably. yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah it looks kill Doctor Lucky. It looks and all kind that. of a bit like Drafts Plus. It is, yeah. Or Checkers Plus, dependent on... Yeah, I mean, that's that same sort of genre of game. Um, Yeah, I mean, any fans of a nice, simple, abstract strategy game with some depth, um, it feels kind of similar to um, Santorini. Have you guys played that one? A small board space, but everything sort of gradually goes uh, is to and fro and people blocking each other's plans and it and it gets more and more intense until the, the pressure means someone's bound to win at some point it's got that same um nice narrative arc of the game which is mm. always impressive mm-hmm. that sounds good um and yeah as i say we got it in a cheaper version which isn't as nice that you can get a really beautiful looking version with carved wooden pieces uh, but we went for the cheap version. Is it is it plastic? Yours then? Because we're cheap. It. 
No, they are wood, they're still wooden pieces, but they just just yeah. just wooden squares rather than right. pleasing right. shapes. Yeah. No, it sound, sounds good. It, it it it's I've seen it sort of I seem to recall seeing a stall selling it at a UK Games Expo in the past. And it was one of the ones that mm. for its simplicity it did intrigue me. So it doesn't have the ornate art of other games, but it looked to have that kind of simplicity of game, but actually you could imagine there's going to be a depth of gameplay hidden in amongst it. Yeah, there, absolutely. It is. I mean, I suppose um, the thing that people uh, who don't like abstract strategy games um, tend to say, I think, is that you, you need a bit of theme, something to get hold of. But I suppose if you've read the books and know the whole world that this game is set in, then maybe that is enough to uh, provide enough theme for the, even those people. I, I don't know anything about the books. Have, you, have any of you read any Patrick Rothfuss no, books? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> no? No? Um, oh, well. My, my, <laughs> I'm sure he's good. But, no. but, yeah. um, of late, I've been reading a lot of The Worst Witch, um, Harry Potter. Um, uh, and yeah, <laughs> right. That, that, that yeah. has been my literary output of the last um, number of years, I'm afraid. But yeah, I mean, uh, likewise, The uh, Pillars of the Earth is another game uh, which is... Uh, well, it's not a fictional game from a game, but it's based on a big literary property. Mm. And I've never read that either, the Ken Follett book. But I like the game. <laughs> I can't think of any others that do that. Uh, any other fictional games that have turned into real ones? That's going to have to be a question for the week, uh, for the podcast in the future, isn't it? And we're just yeah, going to have so, to yeah. research yeah. it and go, yeah, right, maybe. Tom has said... Yeah, I, I can't think of a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I wish you'd set, put this in the show notes beforehand. It's like we need. I'll ask this question. Yeah, I've just please find it. out. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. yep. I'll uh, I'll try and research for a future podcast. <laughs> I'm glad you've stepped forward to do that one, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if there's a game of the game of Azad from Player of Games from Ian Banks. Azad, Azad, Azad. I don't know if you've read that, but no. yeah, that would be a. That would be something if someone made a game of that. No, the, the, the only thing that's coming to my mind, which is completely not right, is Ender's Game, which is completely not a game. I'm sure there oh, must be. I'm sure there must be. There must be. Yes, uh, I mean, surely. Somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other Tom, what, what have you been playing recently? Oh, um... Other Tom. Sorry, Tom. <laughs> <Lundbo>. <laughs> I know. Which was this Tom? Sorry. And which was this other Tom? Yeah. <laughs> Tom one and Tom two, or Tom C and Tom L, or. Yeah, it yeah, could be Tom worse. Man. It could be two Toms and two Sams, couldn't it? <laughs> we could we could go all uh, old fashioned and just uh, refer to us as Lovewell, Cauldron, yeah, Parker, yeah, Parker. <laughs> yeah. like we're in a old World War Two film. Oh, spiffing old fellow. Well, well then, <laughs> yes. Just, um, I was down the pub with Parker. Yes, well. And... <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about a game where the zombies are um, taking over the city, um, but it's up to some plucky teenagers. What, what? To... Sorry, I <laughs> fell into character. Yes, I don't think yeah, we I'm can carry on. I'm going to kill that now before... <laughs> yeah. um, now, carry on from what I said earlier. Um, and mm -hmm. I know it's two months post-Christmas, but not, I've not talked to you chaps really since then. Um mm is Zombie Teens Evolution, which was in my son's um, pile of gifts. Um, and so a year ago, um, I talked to you about Zombie Kids Evolution, um, and yeah. mm -hmm. we, yeah, we enjoyed that. Yeah. that. Um, the new one came out, and clearly it went down on his Christmas list. Um, we've picked it up, and it's taken the same principle. It 
So um, I, I forgot to check who the designer was for the first one, but I suspect it's the same. So the designers, Annick Lovett. I do apologize if I've pronounced their name incorrectly. And artwork is by Nikau, which is just as good as last time. But this time there's actually more artwork instead of sort of four characters only uh, and some zombies there is a bigger cast and i'm not going to say much more than that because it's a um it's a very well done legacy game we're only part way through they have twi- changed the mechanics and so you're still moving and doing something but it's it's a very different game you're protect you're now getting the antidote the first game zombie kids evolution you were um the kids in a school stopping the zombies come in this one is the next stage the school is now safe you are now going around the town to get ingredients for the antidote and bringing it back to the school and the zombies have got into the sewers and are coming up and you've got to stop the zombies getting to one of the locations and overrunning the location so that you can get all the um, bits back it's got two dice this time you've got more envelopes to open you've got more challenges but what's really cool is they've got um, a cartoon strip at the start to tell you what's happening but as you go on you and this isn't really much for cheap because you can see at the start you will get stickers to stick in and it expands the cartoon and builds on the story (laughs) which is really cool Um, and in the first in zombie kids you would just get a full sticker this time there are points where you get full sticker and it changes the rules and other bits where you go well this is just one little bit and you know we're going to add something later Mm. but you don't know yet so they're really worked it's kind of taken zombie kids and given it a polish and you go it's the same thing but it is at least as good in some respects you could kind of say better it's a bit like saying which is the best film godfather or godfather 2 they're both great um Mm. and it's hard to say which or as we talked about earlier would you go for um ticket to ride europe or ticket to ride they're both great Mm. and yeah yeah we've been really enjoying it i would heartily recommend it to people who have got sort of year group year two at school so sort of six seven year olds and up will really enjoy it the mechanics aren't that difficult but they um, really help learn skills um, for kids as adults because, mm. you know, you can try to quarterback the game, but I really try not to and work mm. cooperatively. But it's still tricky enough that actually if you were an adult trying to play and to get some of the missions, you've just got to go, no, I can't and change things. So there is a bit mm. of challenge with how it plays. Um, it is just a thoroughly good family game yeah this is a brilliant uh, I, I love the idea of this getting the kids involved with a, a legacy game uh legacy mm-hmm. games for adults are, are, are really exciting and fun you know seeing what unfolds and how the story unfolds and opening the boxes and things like that so imagine what it's like for for a kid you know opening the envelopes and stuff it's great it's a really good monopolies idea. you know in terms of artwork it kicks monopolies ass i mean mm. um and and it finishes at a good pace it is nice to look at and it makes the kids think. Yeah. And, and and builds. But also, you can keep on playing. We still play Zombie Kids despite having completed it because mm. the game is good. 
even when it's no longer got the legacy element. Um, admittedly, yeah. my son mm. liked it so much that he completely threw my mum. So at the Christmas break, he was around there for a day, and she said, Tom, you're s- I was asked for lots of um, envelopes, and I didn't know why, and basically wanted to go back and do the legacy again. So he took all the bits and sh- <laughs> wrote the different envelopes and shoved them back in because he wanted to redo <laughs> the legacy element of it. All right, yeah. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I hear... My cities are uh, aimed at families for legacy things. Yeah. Do you think that would yeah. work for... What sort of age range would that work for? I, I don't think the themes are exciting. <laughs> no, no. It might not be as but thrilling. It's supposed as to be kids. very accessible. Yeah. It's still got the yeah. open envelopes, isn't it? W- would, you say that, um, would you say that it's a step up from the previous game, from the first game, or is it just more of the same? <laughs> is, it, is it more complex, do you think? Um, it's, it is different. So whereas there, you know, whereas Ticket to Ride and Ticket to Ride Europe, just to keep on games we've already talked about, there are a lot of things that are the same. Mm-hmm. This one, it feels the same, but it, the, the, the gameplay is very different. So um, uh, whereas before it was move, make one move and th- then an attack, um, this time it's a case... And, and and the zombie, but the zombies do different things as well. In the, and you get special powers in that one. Each character has got a move, and can do their special power thing. This time, you've got special powers as their separate cards, and so you can have a special power, but then you're rolling. And uh, I'm not going any further because I'm going into. <laughs> this is the Careful. difficulty. I I open my mouth yeah, and I yeah. break the legacy element. <laughs> so you've got things in there. So yes, right. I do apologise, people who've not played the game. There are powers, but they come in a few envelopes <laughs> time, and I'm not going to tell yeah. you what they are. And I, I'd really love to talk to you about it. Um, it. There are different things. It takes the principles. It is a different game, but it feels like part of the same universe. You can just take the characters from Zombie Kids and use them in Zombie Teens, and vice versa. All right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, and there are rule, and it does say, go to this place on our website if you want to sort of combine them in other bits. But we haven't got there yet mm. because we're wanting to complete the legacy at the moment and get and open all the envelopes. Um, how, how many games do you think it'll take to play through the whole thing? <laughs> that's a question. Um, <laughs> so there are fourteen different envelopes. I think with a good run, you'd require at least 20 games oh, quite a lot to, then. to get through all of the envelopes. Mm. At, mm. At the ve- it, it might even be more than that. Um, mm. uh, and this is a very quick guess. The fact that there's the 10 envelopes on the main track, and normally you get one sticker for completing a game and one for su- completing a mission. Mm. But there's the accomplishment badges, which don't give you that um, mission badge. And so you've, again, I will be going into too much, but it's going to be at least 20 games based on how it works. Right, yeah. Well, there's plenty of, uh, yeah, plenty of uh, uh, length there. Then oh, oh, very much so. To play. So, yeah, that's good. That's and, good. and with the different challenges yeah. and different things they chuck in, yeah, easily. Mm. A lot of variety in there. So yes, um, the other game I was going to talk about, if you gents don't have anything else to discuss, I've been playing, started at the school club 
we started playing a bit of Mech Warrior, uh, sorry, Battletech, also known as Mech Warrior, which is a very old game. I think it's been going something like 30 years. Um, mm. But there's but Kickstarter last year, and there's a whole bunch of new miniatures and things, so it might get another sort of breath of life into it. And I've seen the models for years, been really interested in the settings. I've played, I've read a couple of the novels years back, and I played some of the games on the PC. Um, mm. But I hadn't actually played the game properly until um, just before Christmas when one of my colleagues who helps run the club said, he's got a load. Um, and, and I was really impressed by the game. Um, I've ordered a few of the models from the post the Kickstarter, but sort of a pre-order for when they've completed the um, Kickstarter backers and just before the main release to get some models. Cause I, as you probably know, I like my miniature games as well as my board games um, mm. to get a couple mm. of nice fighty robots. Um, but it's, it's a nice, in terms of gameplay, it's quite nice because it, it is, it is really, it's a board game. You've got this hexagonal boards, you move models around, you roll dice. Mm. There's a bit more bookwork. It, it is a lot more of a bookworky game than um, X-Wing and um, even Warhammer 40,000 or Warhammer or War Machine because you've got your big fighty robot and you've got to mark down um, all your modifiers if you've run or if they've run, how far they've gone and all of this kind of stuff. So in that respect, it can be a little bit clunky. But it's a two, it's a roll two dice and hit a number mechanic, and so it's got that nice bell shaped curve mm. for probability that this is used, that War Machine is used, which I like. I like. I don't like just rolling a single dice and it's got that linear element to it. I like a two dice kind of mechanic with where it can really shift into your favour if you're smart. Is this is this one the way you can build your own mechs as well? Is can you put like your own weapons and stuff? Much on there? information out there. It's been going for thirty mm. years. There's, you know. To get into it is easy in some respects because I think you can just pick up one one box and it gives you some information. But if you really want to dive into the depths, there's so much out there that you can design your own mechs. You can decide which year you're in. I mean, it, it's you know it doesn't cover 30, 40 years or even what is it? I think the Star the X Wing games covers about sixty years now, sort of from mm. uh, the prequels to the sequel era that's about 60 years mm. this one covers several hundred years of history so which oh, right. era you play in is significant um mm. and what's available and you could really if you if it takes your fancy really get into the utter crunching of how you're putting your mechs together and this that and the other which yeah. at times interests me but i just quite like getting models on the board and fighting in that respect. And you can just go, well, actually, here are the standard models. Uh, this is their costs. Put together your force and have at it on a mat. Mm. And it's, you know, you just need two dice, a handful of models, and a hexagonal board, which are easy to get. You can download um, the starter sort of introductory rules and an introductory mat and everything. So if you wanted to try it, you can just search for Battletech, oh, download an intro thing where you've got two big fighty robots, you and an opponent can play and get to grips with mm. it. Um, but if you want mm. a bit more fun, you can go and say, well, we've got sort of different, you know, the, the small fast ones or the big hulking slow 
monsters in, in between and make your own force and then add, you know, my colleague has been playing it for years. And so he, so I just go, I'm just going to choose robots and played him with just the robots. And he went, I'll go for some infantry. I'll go for some tanks. I'll go for some fighters. I'm going, what the heck? I just want, <laughs> and, and it can do all of that if you wanted to, or you can strip it down. I've got no yeah. idea what the competitive scene is like, but I suspect like a lot of the um, the sort of tabletop war games or board games, if this kind of falls into a bit like X-Wing, there might be a bit of a meta as this is the ideal way of doing things. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Am I right in thinking that there's a whole world around this thing that there's uh there's an rpg battle of battle mech there's there's oh, novels yeah. of yeah. it there's um yeah. i in the 80s you could go to places and there were pods and you were literally sort of like a vr thing where you'd be the pilot <laughs> of your own battle mech um and things like that it has it there's been at least seven or eight different computer games and things yes it is vast but you've not got into it enough to uh, read all the novels. So. Some of the novels, um, but oh god, yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I've read some of the novels about twenty-five years ago when I was at school. Um, <laughs> but um, uh-huh. but when I was at school, I was much more into the games workshop things, um, and yeah. so mm-hmm. I, and, and also its availability. I could get, I could go into a games workshop store, and I got fo- and I was into forty. Warhammer 40,000 and Epic 40,000 back in the 90s. Um, and my sort of uh, wargaming um, has, has drifted from that into War Machine, into Relics, into um, uh, what is it? Uh, Flames of War and X Wing, and also this. So the fact that I hadn't played this before was more just I'd been playing other things. Too many things. There is. Um, and and my wife still puts up with all the different plastic and metal miniatures I've got. <laughs> but no, I, I would thoroughly recommend, if anyone's going to get into it, when the new models and box sets come out, which I think is sort of in March, April time, they're going to be hitting the shelves. Probably by the time non-essential shops come open, um, I would hmm. suspect you'll be able to start getting shortly after that the new wave of models may be coming in. It might be May, June. The new stuff is on its way, and that would be a good time to get into it because they are looking quite spiffy. Um, and mm, and you've got a, just a one, one box. You can get into it and you can play, um, and it will not cost you an arm and a leg in quite the same way as getting into games such as Warhammer 40,000. Uh, any other games you've played? Uh, well, I've played... Uh... I'm playing quite a nice game on Board Game Arena, which I believe is just finished on Kickstarter, so maybe appearing shortly. Um, that's called Carnegie. It's a uh, it's a sort of worker placement game. It's one of those really lovely crunchy Euros where there's lots of things going on, and this thing affects that thing, which affects that thing, and you need this thing and this thing and this thing before you can do that thing. And it all builds up into an into an engine, and it, it's. I've only played like two thirds of one game so far, but I think I'm gonna, I am gonna look out for it. I think um, it's it's based on uh, is its name Dale Carnegie? I know millionaire ph- ph- uh, philanthropist from the uh, early 20th century mm. in America. So yeah, lots of 
issues around the sociology of uh, millionaire philanthropists, but that's not what the game is about. Uh, basically, you've got to try and uh, expand your empire over the United States while building up your company, which is basically your engine, and different parts of it are activated each time. But the thing is, each each the main decision point is what type of thing you're activating on your turn. So everyone's got this sort of shared board where there's the next management action would be this one, which also makes this area of the map activate. Or you could do a uh, construction action, which would make this other area of the map activate. So there's this whole timing thing of trying to get your things in place so that you've got, when that action activates, you've got everything ready to go. You can get your income from there, and then you can do all your actions with the the things you've got in your company. And uh, and sometimes it obviously just doesn't work. Someone picks an action, and you've got nothing in that area to <laughs> generate any income, and all your people are standing somewhere else in your company, so nothing ha- activates on on your human resources department or whatever it is, hmm. um, and you have a very sad turn. But yes, th- th- <laughs> it's all about trying to make, uh, trying to optimize everything, and there's fifty plates that you've got to uh, keep spinning, and oh, it's just the sort of thing I love. That sort of Euro game, which is just a little bit beyond the human capacity to comprehend what's going on. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you, you said you played two thirds of it. Is, it. is is that because you're taking like a turn? It's, yeah, it's, it's not a, in real it's time. A, it's, um, uh, what do you call it? It's, it's, it's not real time. No, it's 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 taking like right. um, a, a turn every uh, a two turns a day. Uh, a so, day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> playing it for several weeks, and yeah. I'm enjoying it still. But yeah, do, do, uh, maybe the last third of the game is going to be awful. Who knows? <laughs> it's until next podcast. Do, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, maybe I'll we'll finish it by then. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, I quite like how you play it on Board Game Arena. It kind of does everything for you. It, has it got like the hints and the tips for everything where you like hover over things and it tells you what to do and things like that? That is really good for learning a complicated yeah, new game. Yeah. But I, I, I think there is always the possibility that uh, the actual experience of playing a game would be very different if you had to do all the maths yourself. Mm, mm. I mean, yeah. I'd, I think this one would be all right, as far as I could tell. <laughs> yeah. So was it on Kickstarter, did you say, Tom? Uh, I think so, yes. I, I haven't backed it, because yeah. uh, I only sort of found out a bit about it a bit late. But yes, I think they've finished their Kickstarter, but they've got, um, you know, played manager late uh, things that you can get it from. And... Uh, you never know whether these things are going to appear in shops or not, but I'm, I'm, I think this one probably mm. will. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have thought so. It's got that kind of look that it would, and if it's on Board Game Arena pre Kickstarter, I would su- strongly suspect that it will be in shops post Kickstarter. So yeah, mm. they've def- definitely got a, a whole team behind yeah. this. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff. Well, so, yeah. there's been a number of indep- you know small independents of getting their games as at least beaters on board game arena so um mm-hmm. yeah but it's definitely going to be something that i'm gonna um look for or maybe even just have to have a game on board game arena at some point before it comes out mm. yes i've just had a quick look on kickstarter you can click the pre-order button um it has done stonkingly well um it Ooh. So it had a goal of 40,000 euros, which sounds sensible, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it has done 11, nearly 12 times that. 
it is just wow. shy of 480,000 euros. So that's good. Yeah. Um, mm. And it's, yeah, so you can, so someone who knows the conversion, it's 65 euros for the Carnegie Deluxe Edition, which doesn't seem to be too far, you know, t- too bad a price for a game. Would you, would you, would you yeah. sort of um, pony up whatever that is in? I'd, I'd definitely consider it. I mean, I've, I've got a, a fairly long list of games I'd like to have, which is probably longer <laughs> yeah, than my we, actual bank account. Oh, we all. But, yeah, but that, that's definitely on there. Have you played uh, Brass and, or, or Birmingham or one of the new ones? Uh, I played Brass Birmingham, yeah, um, about a year and a half ago. Uh, and I've got the original Brass, which I've played uh, uh, yeah. twice, I think. Yeah. And I, I know they've... Uh, I think the Brass Lancashire that they've got out is is mainly the same same game, but just prettier. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, is it a similar kind yeah. of th- theme? The theme of like industrialization and kind of spreading, you know, spreading your company and uh, similar. Yes, like I think it, I think Brass has got a bit more agony of you've never got enough stuff, hmm. and oh my god, I can't do that because I'm being starved for coal or uh, iron or whatever. Um, Carnegie, there's there's more stuff coming in. It's just making making sure that you get the best, uh, get uh, to optimize the stuff coming in. It doesn't yeah. have the same feeling of scarcity, but it's definitely the same amount of stuff going on. I think. Yeah. yeah. Bending your brain trying to work out how to get everything going. Well, uh, the, the reason I mentioned that is that uh, it, the theme doesn't really appeal to me. But uh, I, I, I mm. played a game of Brass Birmingham, I think it was, and I really enjoyed it. It was a really good game. So. Yeah, this might be one that uh, might be one that I want to try out and uh, see what it's like. Especially if it's on board game arena as well. That means you can just jump in and kind of play at your leisure, can't you? So that's good. Yeah, I must say that um, if if I uh, was particularly swayed by theme, and I don't think I am that much, then this this wouldn't particularly appeal to me. Like, mm. I, I don't really want to be an American millionaire. <laughs> um, I mean, they were technically Scottish. Just having a quick look at the background. Carnegie was Scottish. He just moved. Well, yes. So, so you know, that may have swayed your, your your feelings a little bit. Oh well, if he's Scottish, that's fine then. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there isn't some whiskey in the game because every other yeah. game involving Scottish people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moving on, the next part of the podcast is uh, our question of the week, and uh, we generally have a, a question that we pull out of the hat. Um, either suggested on the forums or on the Facebook or whatever, but this time it's just one that I picked up because uh, I was just interested to know your guys' thoughts, uh, which is what is the worst game in your collection? So uh, probably like like myself, you guys have got uh, a collection of games. Uh, you know, some people have more, some people have less, uh, and there are games in there, some that you really like and you'll play anytime and you're happy that you, know, you, you own those and you can jump in and, and, and have a game of them. But it's probably some towards the bottom of the uh, bottom of the ladder as well that um, they're not particularly keen about, and there might be a few reasons for that, um, which we'll, we'll we'll talk about in a second. But if if you're judging your games, how, how did you figure out which ones were worst? Did you sort them in some kind of order, or is it just like your opinion, kind of having played them, or as it stands, or how, how did you figure out which ones you're going to talk about? Hmm. Well, I uh, looked up. Uh, my collection on Board Game Geek, and just sorted by my ranking and by the community's ranking. Yeah, that's what I did. As generally, well, I? agree. Yeah. I think. I think 
there's some games that I think are all right that the community thinks are bad and vice versa. Yeah, but it, yeah. it, it, there's nothing that I think, oh, that's my favourite game ever that everyone else hates or vice versa. Well, we, should, so, yeah. we should probably mention that these things are kind of, um, you, you know, it's, it's down to opinion to some extent. Not everybody oh, likes totally, yes. all the same games, so <laughs> we're not saying these games are particularly bad. But uh, yeah, if we mention your favourite game, then yeah, uh, don't, sorry. don't take offence. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure we're it's, not, uh, we're, it's nothing against you. <laughs> okay, well, so uh, so what? What's give us an example then, Tom? What what have you got on your on your list? Oh, that Gloomhaven is awful, isn't it? That's a terrible. Game. <laughs> oh yeah, rubbish. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, okay. The uh, the game that's in my collection that has the lowest ranking on Board Game Arena, let's see, it is something called uh, Top Shed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, this is not, oh, uh, subtitled, A Railway Game. Um, oh, okay. So, you know, exciting, yeah. exciting subtitle. Um, well, there's nothing wrong this with is a game railway from games, Tom. Absolutely, railway games are great. There's some great railway games. Yeah, it's just you know they could have thought of a better um, <laughs> slogan for it. I think um, this is this isn't a mass market game. It's probably not one that you've heard of. Not one that's on the shop of every uh, on the shelf of every uh, um, game shop out there. Mm-hmm. It's it was it came out in 1986, and I think it was made by someone who was very into trains. Mm-hmm. Probably more into trains than they are into games. Mm-hmm. Um, because okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very basic. Is uh, all I can say about it. It's, it's, it's mainly uh, drawing a card and oh, well, rolling a dice and moving your train. Oh, but you've got a choice of whether you're moving this train or that train, and yeah. so there's a little bit of tactics and you can block people and yeah, mainly basically just a little roll move. But you also have to draw cards which do totally random things. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, like, uh, but they all have very detailed information about uh, the perils of driving a train in the golden age of railways. Uh, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> it's amazing that steam trains got anywhere at all, really, because <laughs> the amount of things that happened to them. But yeah, I mean, um, I can I can actually read you some of the uh, the cards that you can draw. Yeah. Yeah, good um, idea. Thrill us. <laughs> okay. Uh, glands blowing on LH cylinder cover. Call fitter to tighten packing. Uh, penalty 100 miles. And it's also got, got a little extra information on what glands means. Asterisk on a uh, thing at the bottom. Uh, steam tight seals through which piston rod slides in backflate of cylinder. So it's educational, you see. <laughs> Teach you yeah. other things. If 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 I was one of those guys, you know, when we go to like museums and things like that, and you see the guys up on the steam trains and they they're preserving them and running them and things like that, mm-hmm. I, I would probably love that game. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. they'd be well into it. They'd probably put on little hats yeah. to play it. They'd be moving a little model trains along, making chuff chuff noises. <laughs> but yeah, some of these um, these cards are great. It's, it, we have played this game once, and mm-hmm. we had a good time with it. Possibly because we were slightly drunk. Uh, but we kind of made our own game of you pick a card and read it out and the other person has to guess whether it's a, a good thing or a bad thing, whether it's a penalty or a bonus. <laughs> so I wonder if you guys would like to play a little bit of that. Yeah. Go for it. Okay, yeah. Yes, let's play a live. So okay. is this card a good one, which gives you a bonus of 200 miles, 
or a bad one, which gives you a penalty of several hundred miles, 200 miles. Okay. So, so, they're not all 200, are they? 50? Yeah, that's very different. So a bonus or a penalty. So, rostered to breakdown vans. Bonus. That is a bonus. Uh, breakdown vans are trained assisting at the scene of derailment. See, I would, I would have said penalty for that one. Yeah, well, Tom was right. It sounds, yeah. Uh, scratch fireman primes boiler. It's going to be good, hasn't it? No, because priming is apparently getting water sucked into the cylinders with a steam. steam. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the scratch fireman is an inexperienced fireman. So uh, They've just totally messed it up. <laughs> uh, scratch fireman scoops troughs first time. Uh, well, going on the, on the previous one, he scooped the trough. He's done something right. <laughs> he has done something right. So, 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 so the numpty fireman done something right for the yep, first time. He managed to scoop the trough. Uh, <laughs> so the heavens open, angels tray, and you get a bonus. Um, a scoop is a pipe with bent end aperture which dips into trough of water set between rails. So there you go. Right. Ah. Stop. The the language that they use is particularly fluid. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, same again here. Uh, stop for a blow-up. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> that just sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, a uh, blow-up is rebuilding the fire. Right. Oh. Okay, and the last card here we've got uh, leaky tubes fixed by loading 100 cowpats into water tank. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you get a hundred cowpats? I don't know. Have them on, just, the, on the train with you, just in case. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> the little um, uh, extra information here is apparently cowpats act like car radiator sealants. Ah, so, okay, top yeah. tip: if you're ever yeah. driving a, a train, do you call it driving? Um, driving a steam train, make sure you've got a hundred cowpats with you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But don't hold your sandwiches near. Them. Yeah. So that's uh, Top Shed, which has. Um, a rating on Board Game Geek of 2.5? No, 2.6. Oh. oh, dear. Yes. Oh. Yeah, I think it has to have a minimum amount of comments and ratings, doesn't it, before it gets an official yeah, an official yeah. rating or something. But, yeah. In terms of uh, sort of bigger games, more, more well-known games that uh, I've got, Probably, I think the lowest one is uh, Monopoly, which is not well considered by the uh, board game geek crowd. No, it's it's yeah. But as yeah. as we've mentioned, it definitely has a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. I think it's yeah. it's unfairly maligned from everyone having house rules and playing yeah, it wrong. Yeah, so. play, playing it wrong when they were kids and things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it was definitely a step forward in games in nineteen twelve. <laughs> I'm going to go for two. You know, there's the games in the house, and the, the you know, unfortunately, having a small son, or a few years ago smaller, he really wanted toilet trouble, and theoretically, <laughs> this is a game. No, it's a water pistol in disguise, and but but it's done better on Board Game Geek. It has got a rating of four. So it is better oh. than your game time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, it, it, 
it it is basically you flush the handle however many times it says on the toilet roll that you've spun and whoever gets a water full face full of water loses <laughs> i do it's remember walking into it, um wh smith and seeing like a whole shelf full of very similar games all about mm, uh yeah toilets yeah. or seems to be a recurring theme doesn't yeah. it this kind of Thing, yeah. it, it, it's some kind of prank challenge, squ- you know, it's quasi game, but it's not. Yeah. It's just sheer randomness. But anyway, yeah. it, it's a toy that enjoys kids. The other one of his collection, and I'm going to br- go through it quickly. You've probably all played similar. Is Build a Bug, which is more like a game. Um, you roll a dice, and if you score a one, you get to add the head. If you roll oh, a yeah. two, you get to add the body. Which is all good, but following the rules, you've got to get certain things on, and then when you start rolling sixes, you add the legs. And only when you've got a complete bug do you win. Well, of course, rolling a six six times That's... takes blinking ages. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you and and it's just drags. I mean, it's not like the kind of randomness with ga- uh, games such as snakes and ladders and other things. It fills time. That, it's not difficult, but it's oh, it's. I just want to. So either of these two are a no. Thank God for other games such as Zombie Teams, <laughs> even the Kaplunk style games where you've got to pull things out. Oh, they finish quickly. Stuff drop down. Fine, but those two, I will. I am looking forward to the day I can <laughs> shove them away from the house. Um, but this is my collection now, um, and. There's a game which I backed on Kickstarter. So I've got a number of independent-based games, so not all of them have got enough votes on Board Game Geek really to count because they are the smaller things. Um, and I backed it because I knew the designer, though someone I used to um, play some more games against, um, and I went, I'll, I'll support you for... It wasn't particularly expensive, 10, 15 quid. Yeah. And it's a game called Cheeks. And supposedly it's funny because you're talking about hamsters storing seed between their cheeks. But there's the toilet humour of spreading your cheeks and other things. Ha ha. And the game is okay. It is not as funny as it thinks it is, unfortunately. Mm. Um, And the bit that I'm most disappointed about is you've got some of the artwork that's really nice. You've got the different hamsters, the character hamsters, the artwork is tip-top. You know, they they look good. They're anthropomorphic versions of sort of like a baby hamster or other different character hamsters, and they're really good. Mm. And then you've got the fighting elements, and it's shonky. And and it is... And and my other vote, which I'll get to... I'll let you guys talk and talk about later, I want to put in there for product quality and artwork because that always pulls the game down. But this one, it, it's just that the gameplay is okay, but the art, it's not great. The artwork struggles, and it thinks it's funny, and it's not as fun as it thinks it is less. Uh, but it's not a dreadful game. It's just, yeah, I don't really play it much. It kind of is there because I backed it because it was a friend. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, if, if it's... Um, if it's- bad artwork or bad components if it's a good game it can overcome that can't it you can still you can still get some enjoyment out of playing a, a decent game even though it might not be very good but 
quite often if you've got bad artwork, usually you've got a bad game as well. <laughs> yes. So 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 that that's that's my collection. That's probably on the bottom. Um, what's your vote for Rick? Well, I I I, I hope I never play any of those games. <laughs> they all sound terrible. But I, I do want to play Tom's train game. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> it does sound quite intriguing. <laughs> But what's your worst game or worst uh, games? Uh, well, okay. Don't have any. I, I, I did the same as Tom. I, I kind of got my collection in board game, uh, board game geek. So I just sorted it in lowest to highest. Uh, the worst game that I've got is the one called Tomb Raider Legends. Uh, this is a game based on the computer game, uh, and that's why I got it because I'm, I'm a big fan of Tomb Raider. I've played all the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like them. Uh, so I picked this one up, and it's yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, uh, it's a, a really basic kind of mass market game. The artwork's terrible. The components are terrible. The cards are really thin. Um, it's got artwork from the from the games, but it's like kind of all over the place. Like some some of the older games, some of the like PlayStation One games, and some of the newer games kind of mixed together. Not none of it matches. Um, it's actually produced by the the game company themselves. Mm. Um, it's published by Square Enix, so it's not actually not, not done from like any board game uh, developer or uh, you, you know you, you can imagine a, a publisher would have a process where they do test games and you know get it polished and get good artwork and things like that it's not I don't think it's gone through any of that it's just been kind of slapped together just to just to ride on the name really and it's uh, yeah it's pretty bad <laughs> oh dear um, the, the, the other one that I wanted to mention was, was one called The Three Commandments uh, this is a really weird game by Freedom and Freese um, he Ooh. designed Power Grid and 504 and a few other games, but this is a, this is an older one, and this is one of the first games that I played when I was getting into the hobby, and I, I quite enjoyed it just because it's so unique and it's so kind of individual. Uh, but it's rated really lowly, lowly on the board game board game geek. It's 5.48, which is not not quite as bad as your games, but it's not not particularly brilliant either. Mm-hmm. But the, the only reason I own this one is uh, for the nostalgia of it, really. That it's the game that I played, you know, all those years ago, and kind of opened my eyes to the hobby games and designer games, and you know, uh, it was it was interesting when I played it. <laughs> I haven't played it since, so I don't know if it holds up or anything. But uh, it's kind of a weird guessing game where you get like three rules and you have to kind of guess what the what the three rules are. So a, a really weird theme, a bit of a weird. Uh, production and game kind of a party game but not really and yeah a bit of a strange one but still still got it still sat on the shelf there maybe i'll get it out one day and play it again <laughs> oh, and uh friedman freese obviously a very well regarded uh designer done some classic games. yeah 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 and I, I do enjoy some of the games uh friday is a good one mm. power grid obviously a really good classic game not uh not highly rated on that one okay so i hope i never play any of those games <laughs> to be honest <laughs> The game, if we just talk about qualities, um, I've got Firefly, the legendary Firefly edition. Oh, I've heard about so this the, one, yeah. So the yeah. game is fairly decent. It's a bit tricky at mm. points, but the game is good. The artwork, just as you you reminded me of it when you were talking about the um, Lara Croft, the Tomb Raider one, mm. you, you've got all the TV shows. It could have at least taken stills from the TV shows or the film or anything like that, and it didn't. They got an artist in, and I think the artist must have had at least one of its eyes knocked out. Their eyes knocked out, if not both. It is, 
it's probably even worse than the bad cheeks artwork at points <laughs> it is really awful and wow. then component quality and having had to research for developing the games that i've put out i mean the cards are about as absorbent as um kitchen roll i mean you spill water on them <laughs> they will fall apart because unfortunately my wife did not drink over a couple hmm. and there's too many gate cards in there to sleeve them all unless you're sadistic hmm. and yeah they just fell apart um so yeah oh, wow and and i got so annoyed about how badly they got put i took one of my cards from Vote Me, I took one of the cards from Bucket of Doom from, um, oh, uh, Thingy Potato Games. Uh, Someone remind me their name. Big, Big Potato. Big Potato Games, yes. Big Potato. Um, so Big Potato, Bucket of Doom has got lots of cards in there. You wouldn't expect them to be the highest component quality. And I held both of these cards under a tap mm. for 10 to 15 seconds, dried them off, you could use them again. So both mine and Big Potato Games' is Bucket of Doom. And it was a case of just a splash of water really caused problems to, um, wow. to Legendary Fireflight. So component quality is shocking. Artwork is shocking. Gameplay decent. Yeah. Bit tricky at points, but it's just the worst quality game I've got. And it's just like... Mm. Oh, it's interesting that both of you have mentioned... Um, IP games, intellectual, intellectual property, the Tomb Raider and the Firefly. Mm. I am always wary about things with a popular IP because yeah. uh, maybe they're being sold on that rather than the quality of the product itself. I mean, yeah. we've just been talking about games that we owned, but possibly the, the worst game that I've had and no longer own was Lost, the game, based on the TV series, oh, yeah. which the is... TV show, yeah. It's not even a game. It's 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 ridiculous. It's I don't know how they managed to get this in the box at all. I mean, who I don't know what they were thinking, but it's it's ridiculous. But it does have pictures of all the characters from the TV show. It must have been right. sort of had something to do with the uh, official um, the production company at, at some point who gave them mm. permission to make this abomination. But yeah, that went to a charity shop a long time ago, and hopefully someone's getting a lot of joy out of it. I doubt they are. <laughs> okay, so um, my son, you know, we got for my son, he's a big Doctor Who fan, um, Race the TARDIS or Race of the TARDIS. It's a Doctor Who game. It's it's under a tenner. It's in sort of the big shops like B&M, etc. So it's not kind of a, a, a very developed game. But the quality is okay for cards you know and the game it's got all the pictures from the cast members so it's using the ip but it's doing it sensibly and just going well we've got stills from the show we'll do that and actually it is not the worst gameplay i would play that mm. much more than some of I his mean, yeah. my son's other ga games and it and it's you know it, it there's some thought there's some strategy so ip can be okay yeah there i mean there are some IP great games. ones i mean game of thrones game is actually uh, a classic and plenty of good Star Wars games as well. We're talking about X Wing, mm -hmm. yeah. but but they've you yeah. know this this is one that I don't you know I'm probably going to be a bit rude and a bit um, highfalutin, but this is not of the level of Game of Thrones. Like this is really the majorly mass-produced kind mm. of cheap thing. You wouldn't have paid the designer an awful lot mm. to have put it together, but there's at least enough thought and the design together that 
you do have at least some choice in how you move and other bits. And I thought, well, it's not the worst game going. High praise. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day. Yep, uh, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about some good games next episode. I promise. Yes. Okay. Thanks, guys, for joining me today. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, uh, Tom Cauldron. Thank you for joining me. Ah, oh, thank you. And Tom Lovell, thank you very much for talking to us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me again. And uh, we'll speak to you again next time. Thanks for listening and goodbye from us. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Bye.